listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. It's the other Englishman. Great to see each and every one of you here tonight. Thank you for being here. We're honoured that you chose to be here on a Wednesday evening. You know we don't take it lightly. Uh, you could have been a thousand different places. Uh, personally, I believe that you chose the very best one out of that 1,000 places. Um, so well done for being here. Great to see each and every one of you. I'm honoured and privileged as always to be behind the pulpit this evening and to be closing out the uh, Wednesday part of the Vision Series, if you like, which we're calling Reaching My World. It's been a fantastic series so far. Pastor Philip has done an awesome job as always. Uh, The last two messages set the bar incredibly uh, high uh, as always and I'll do my absolute utmost to reach that bar this evening. But before I do, uh, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you. We thank you for who it is that you are. We thank you, Lord God, just for the opportunity we have to come together tonight. We thank you just for this wonderful church. We thank you for our senior pastor. We pray your blessings upon him and his family, Lord God. And we just thank you just for this opportunity, as I said, we have just to hear your word. I pray for every person here. I pray, Lord, that you would just soften hearts, open minds. And I pray, God, that as always, you would use me, that that every word from my mouth will be yours and not mine. And I thank you, Lord, for a wonderful, wonderful evening. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. So yes, tonight I'm closing out the Reaching My World series. And so far it's been a really, as I said, very, very powerful, insightful um, um, message series. We've been learning why the unchurched remain unchurched. Why it is that there are people out there who not only don't necessarily know God, but those that do know God aren't in church. And there are lots and lots of reasons. I know last week, Pastor Philip was covering 11 different areas as to why people are not attending church. And it sound, sounds like a long list, but there are so many different reasons. You could have done that probably you know, several times over, the number of reasons that people have for not being in church. And we were talking about, uh, you know, highlighting that, looking at why that happens, but also looking at how we can go about changing the culture of the world. And importantly, very importantly, probably most importantly, how we can go about changing our world. And when I mean our world, I mean your world, the world that you have that's around you. I need to know how I can change my world, my world around me, the circle of influence that I have. You have a circle of influence that nobody else has. The people that you have contact with on a regular basis. And the people that you can impact that, frankly, nobody else can. There are people out there today who can be impacted, influenced, guided, steered by you that nobody else has the power or the capacity to actually impact in that way. 
There's a lot of dormant energy, if you like, in this church. There's a lot of people here who, for one reason or another, have people around them that they could impact and, and make a difference in their lives, and they haven't yet done that. And what we're trying to do through the course of this series, and frankly, every single Sunday and Wednesday, is to equip you so that you can do what you are called to do. It's something we're passionate about here. It's not just for the sake of our health or yours that we're standing here and preaching messages to you. It's to equip you. That's biblical. It's what we as pastors are called to do, is to equip you so that you can impact your world. So we have so far looked at how we need to identify the reasons why people don't attend church on a regular basis. We've looked at how uh, we need to understand those things. And Pastor, as I said, has over the last couple of weeks begun to lay out as well the vision of this church. And I encourage you strongly to be here on Sunday as he continues to break down how we as a church are going to fulfill our mission and our calling as a church. And let me tell you this, the vision that's been laid out before you, I'm incredibly excited about. And Pastor believes 100% in the vision for this church. He believes in this vision 100%. I won't expand on that too much because he's probably going to talk about that on Sunday. But I can tell you this, you and I can also believe 100% in his vision. And 100% in him as our pastor and leader, okay? His heart, come on, let's hear it for our senior pastor. Honor where honor is due, absolutely. Because his heart is for this church. His heart is for the church. His heart is for you. And most importantly, his heart is for God. And I'm genuinely excited about where this church is right now but I'm more excited about where this church is going under God's leadership and our pastor's stewardship. Seriously, I encourage you, be excited. If you're not excited, get excited. And don't be excited about the church that you are attending. Get excited and be excited about the church that you are a part of. That's what we need to be getting excited about. And this church is not here it's not here. We're not here to provide you with a social event or so that you can check off you know, going to church on your to-do list. That's not what this is about. This church is here to fulfill what we as pastors are called to do. And that, as I said, is to equip you to do God's work and for you to fulfill your individual purpose. You need to know that as a pastoral team, when we talk about the church's mission, when we talk about the vision and the plan, when we talk about the big picture, you are a part of that. You are an essential part of that. And I'll go as far as to say this, the only way that pastor's vision and God's plan for this church will come to pass is with you and the person sat next to you fulfilling your own purpose. That's the only way that this church will fulfill what it is that God has planned for this church. So tonight I'm going to be talking in general terms about how we can reach the unchurched. Because, you know, we're all, I like to think we're all saved in this room. And if you're not saved in this room, you'll have an opportunity later on to become saved. If you're just checking out church, you're checking out Jesus Christ, you're checking out what is this God thing all about, then welcome. You are absolutely welcome. And tonight may be the night that you make a decision to hand over your life to him. And we'll be honored and privileged to help you to achieve that. 
But the majority of us in here are saved. There are a whole bunch of people outside of these walls who are not. And for whatever reason that we've already spoken about, instead of the last two weeks, they are not attending church on a regular basis. So I'm going to be talking, as I said, in general terms about how we reach the unchurched, how we reach the unsaved. But frankly, when I say we tonight, I actually mean you. Is that okay? So I'm going to be looking at and, and some, some basics, some bullet points. All right, and Encounter Church is a simple but incredibly powerful tagline. Life, love, purpose. And everything we've done up to this point as a church and everything we do moving forward is about helping people have their life start through knowing Jesus. Have them have love happen in their lives through relationship with Jesus and with other people and have their purpose revealed to them and become equipped to go out and fulfill that purpose. That's our church's mission. All right, We want to help you and everybody to live out in their day-to-day life what it is you are supposed to be living out, what you are called to live out. And that's to impact the people around you. The people around you. You are called to impact them. And our role here is to help you to do that as best we can. Now, Pastor is going to be talking in great detail on Sunday. He's already uh, given you a bit of a spoiler on how your church is going to continue to enable the love happens part of our mission to take place on a massive scale. Let me give you two words about Sunday. Be here. That's your two words about Sunday. You need to be here. But right now, I'm going to go look at how we, parentheses you, close parentheses, can reach. Okay? So how to reach. How to reach the people in your circle of influence for our ultimate mission as Christians, which is what? It's to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, I'm going to talk in general terms and sometimes in basic terms even. And that isn't to be patronizing or to be overly simplistic, but I believe it's important we never lose sight of what our actual overriding purpose and mission is as a Christian. And it's beneficial to be reminded of that every now and again. So here's the instruction that Jesus gave to his disciples about their purpose and mission, and therefore to us about our purpose and mission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And in the book of Mark, his instruction reads even clearer. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The whole creation. So we're told to proclaim the gospel. What's the gospel? Well, the gospel means good news. So we are to proclaim the good news. And what is that good news? And why are we to proclaim it? Well, let me answer the second part of that question first. Why are we to proclaim it? Well, firstly, because Jesus said to do it. And that should be reason enough. But if that's not reason enough, Jesus, secondly, he said that because of how important the gospel, the good news is. Again, he's not doing it for any other reason than it's the right reason. So he's expressing to us, we are to spread the good news. We are not called to share the gospel and have people come to know God because life with God in it is better than life without God in it. Now, life is better with God in it than life without God in it. 
But life with God in it still has its challenges. It still has its tough times. It still throws its curveballs. It's better because we know that he is with us through every trial and we can lean on him in times of grief and in times of worry. But telling people that they need to know God because their life will be better than it is without, it's not enough. It's not enough reason for them to come to know him. Some of those people that don't know him have quite frankly got great lives in their own eyes and in the eyes of the world. Yes, they have problems, but they can quite legitimately say to you that they see you have problems too, Mr. or Mrs. Christian. So God isn't all that good, is he? You see what the response can be if we are trying to lead people to God because their life will be better with it in. Because you can turn around and say, no, my life would not be better. If I don't know who God is or what God has done, then I can turn around and argue that point. Well, I know that my God is a good God. And I know that my God is a good God. Not because my life is perfect, because it's not. Not because I don't have any problems or concerns, because I do. But I know he is a good God because heaven and hell are realities. And thanks to him and what he's done for me, I'm not going to hell. I was going to hell. Now I'm not going to hell. I was lost and now I'm found. And that, that is why Jesus came and died on the cross. He didn't come and die on the cross to make my life better. Although it is better for knowing him. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. This, this is the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that God sent his Son to take the punishment due for the sins of man. The fact that God is with us during our challenges the fact that he has plans for us to give us a future and a hope, the fact he, has close, he is close to the brokenhearted, the fact that we can do all things through him who gives us strength, that's all good news, but it's not the good news. The good news is that he came to seek and save those who are lost. So why am I dwelling on this? I thought you were teaching on how to reach people. Well, I am. But first I'm reminding you of why to reach people. Not to make their lives better, not to give them a God to console them in times of hardship, although he will, but because of this, heaven and hell are realities. Heaven and hell are realities. Now, wanting to help someone's temporal, present life is not a bad motivation, but helping them ensure their eternal life is in the right place should always be our main priority. We have to keep our main mission and purpose at the forefront of our minds. If not, we won't be as effective as we should be. I need to have the right motivation so that I can share and have the right approach toward everybody. Now listen, if I like somebody, I would probably share God with them just to improve their lives on the day-to-day. But if I don't like somebody, I'm not going to bother to do that. If my motivation is, well, I can make your life better, well, I don't like you, so I'm not going to. However, I personally do not want my worst enemy to go to hell for eternity. Which means that I'm going to approach everybody with the right mission in mind. I'm not interested whether I can improve your life or not while you're here on this earth. What I want to ensure is that you're not going to spend eternity in hell. So if that's my motivation, 
my, even my worst enemy, I'm going to approach differently. I'm going to approach properly. I'm going to, I'm going to approach boldly. Okay? So heaven and hell are realities. And we need to remember that is what this is all about. That is why to reach out. So let's look at the how. How do we reach the unchurched and the unsaved? First thing we have to do, I believe, is to gain confidence in who we are as Christians and assume the authority to talk about what we know to be truth. We need to be confident in our ability and qualification to speak with people about God. Let me give you some clarifiers on God's expectations of you. You are not called to be a perfect Christian. You are not called to be a perfect Christian. Let me assure you, there is no such thing as a perfect Christian. So, stop thinking that you need to become one before you can speak to somebody else about becoming a Christian, and stop pretending to be one. Because you aren't one. Because by definition, they don't exist. So if they don't exist, you can't be one. So whichever one of those things applies, either stop waiting to become perfect before you actually do what God has called you to do, or stop pretending to be perfect because you think you're supposed to be. You are not supposed to be a perfect Christian. Let me tell you what else you are not called to be. You are not called to be a perfect you. Whether you're a Christian or not, you are not called to be a perfect you. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but you are not perfect. You never, you never have been perfect, and you never will be perfect, at least not this side of heaven. Listen to me very carefully. God does not need you to be perfect. In fact, it's your imperfections that are going to help you to most relate to other people. It's your imperfections which qualify you more than if you were perfect. So the more you come across to an unbeliever, to a non-churchgoer, the more you come across as being perfect or looking like you're trying to be perfect or holy, let me tell you this, the less relatable you are, the less real you are, and frankly, the less likable you are. And we are looking tonight at how to reach people. So I'm trying to cover some of the bases where you are, how not to reach people. From the moment that you became saved, God sees you as holy. God sees you as sanctified and justified. He sees you as set apart and forgiven of every sin. That's how God chooses to view you, because of his goodness and his grace, not because you actually are holy or sinless. So you are who you are. You are a sinner the same as I'm a sinner. The same as, believe it or not, Pastor Philip is a sinner. We're all sinners, but God decides to see us as holy. Hope I've got, still got a job tomorrow. So, but God sees us as holy because through his grace, through his mercy, and through his forgiveness. So, let me tell you this. Take the pressure off yourself. Please take the pressure off yourself. You are not called to be a perfect Christian. You are not called to be a perfect you. You are called to be a Christian you. You're called to be a Christian, you. What does that mean? Well, it means whatever that means. It means that you are called to be a Christian, you. You are not called to be a Christian, me. 
You're not called to be a Christian Pastor Philip or Pastor Robert. You are called to be a Christian you. God needs you to be who? You. He needs you to be you. And here's the deal. It means that whoever and wherever you are in your walk as a Christian is who and where you are supposed to be. That makes sense? You are where and who you are supposed to be right now. But you are not who and where you are supposed to stay. Because we are all on a journey. But you can only apply to your life what you know. But you should be aiming to apply everything that you know. You can't apply what you don't know. All right, so stay with me. You know less than some other Christians. So you are going to apply less in your life than other Christians because you are not as far along your walk as they are. You, You know more than other Christians. And so you will apply more to your life, maybe more consistently than they do. But that doesn't make you better than them. It doesn't make you holier than them. And it doesn't make you a better Christian than them. It means that you are doing what you are supposed to be doing and being a Christian you. You are being a good steward with what you have been given, what you have learned, and how you are growing. It also means what? That you definitely know more about being a Christian than someone who is not a Christian. So I don't care how new you are as a Christian, how young you are as a Christian, how little you believe you know as a Christian. You know more about God than anybody who is not a Christian. Fact. And let me tell you how I know that's a fact. Because if the person that you are speaking to who is not a Christian knew who God was, they would be a Christian. Because I believe firmly, you can't, believe who, you can't know who God is and not become a Christian. You can't hear what it is that God has done for you and not submit to that, not surrender to that, not accept that, not be joyous about that. So, you're still all with me. Being a Christian should be, let me back up, being a Christian you should be easy. Because nobody can do you like you can. In fact, nobody can do you except you. It only becomes difficult when you misunderstand what's expected of you by God as a Christian. The more you learn and apply, the stronger you become in your walk, the more you display yourself as a Christian. Which means that you are making more right choices than before. You're making more holy choices and you're making less unholy choices than before. But guess what? You're still not a perfect Christian and you're still not holy and you're still not a perfect you. And again, I will re-emphasize the fact that you will never become those things. You will just become a better you. And you are always going to be a better you than me. I can't be a you. So let's not, let's not compare and say, you know what, oh, he's, a, he's a good Christian. It's such a thing as a bad Christian. If you are a Christian, you are a Christian. But some Christians are going to be further along their work. They're going to be more mature, okay, as Christians. And so they may make less bad decisions. But you can look at me, for example, 10 years a Christian. I can guarantee I'm making less decisions, bad decisions today than I did nine years ago. But let me assure you, nine years ago, I was no less a Christian. I was no less, I wasn't a worse Christian. I wasn't a bad Christian. I was that, I was a Christian me. 
nine years ago. And eight years ago, I was a Christian me. Five years ago, I was a Christian me. Today, I'm a Christian me. But my walk is only in comparison to me, not to anybody else. You know, I never look at anybody and say, you know what, I wish I was as good a Christian as them. Because I know that every person I look at has got struggles. Every person I look at is sinning in some way or another at some point in time. Yes, they may go longer between sins than I do. But again, you can't compare yourself with other people. All I need to know is this, that when I'm taken up, that I can look my God in the eye and he can say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I know he's not going to say to you, you weren't perfect, get out of here. That's not how it's going to go. So you are never going to be a perfect Christian. And you're never going to be a perfect you. But you being a Christian you, it achieves exactly what it is supposed to achieve. It means that the people that you know, the people that you work with, the people that you come into contact with, will see the real you. If you allow them to. And they won't see a fake wannabe perfect Christian pretending to have it all together and by the way I'm better than you type of person. Because there's too many Christians who are that way, who are pretending to be something that they are not, because they think that that's what they're supposed to do. Let me officially tell you, that's not what you are supposed to do. That's not what you are called to do. So here we go. How to reach people. Tip number one, relax. Relax. Please, relax. You have been called for such a time as this for your world in your circle, for your people. Just be a Christian you and stop trying to be a perfect Christian. Take the pressure off. Let me tell you what happens when you do that. You relax and you stop being so uptight and intense. Nothing, nothing is more exhausting than spending your life trying to be someone that you are not. Nothing is more exhausting than that. Nothing is more freeing than being who you are supposed to be. Nothing is more freeing than that. And when you truly understand the fact that God created you to be who you were created to be, and not who you think you should be, or worse still, who someone else says you should be, it brings a freedom and a peace that you've never experienced before. It also gives you a whole new perspective on who God is in your life and what it is that he's done for you. It gives you that perspective because you are now more focused on him than you are on yourself. And that's always a better place to be. So when you're in that place where you've gotten out of the way and you see you and God in the right perspective, there's something about you that isn't there otherwise. Let me remind you, God saved you from the reality of hell. He saved you from the reality of hell. And when you have that in the front of your mind, you are in a constant state of gratitude. Because nothing compares to that. Look at this, 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. 
And this is like a, a circle. It's a self, it's a spiraling thing because the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. And when you accept that, then you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. How can you not? If you are a Christian and you do not have that deep down sense of glorious, inexpressible joy at the fact that you are saved from eternal hell, then you need to seriously ask yourself what it is that you believe about God. Because again, stripping it down to basics, you either believe in God or you don't. And if you do believe in God, then you should by definition believe everything that God says. Because if you believe in a God, by definition you believe in Satan. And if you believe in God and Satan, you believe in heaven and hell. And if you believe in heaven and hell, there's two choices. You go into one of them. And if you have given your life to Christ, you are going to heaven. What is not to have deep, inexpressible joy about? A glorious, inexpressible joy. Take a step back from yourself and ask yourself this question. Do you come across to people like you have a glorious, inexpressible joy? And I'm not talking about in a crazy, permanent, fixated smile kind of way. But there should be something different about you. Why? Because there is something different about you. The person in the cubicle next to you might be going to hell. And you're not. They might not be saved. And you are. So why is this so important to remember? Because what you have to share with everyone is bigger than you. It's bigger than them. It's bigger than your late mortgage payment. It's bigger than the flat tire you got this morning. It's bigger than anything that the enemy can use to take away that glorious, inexpressible joy. It's bigger what we have to share. You have what everybody needs. You have what everybody needs. And the great thing is this, you can share it without losing any of it. It's not like the money in your bank account. You've got to think twice about sharing because then you're going to have less. This is not that way. Trust me, you share this, you finish up with more. You finish up with more. So remember what you have. Take joy from what you have. And please, relax with what you have. Tip number two, embrace. Embrace. Embrace them. Not literally, because that might be socially awkward in some places. Don't embrace them physically. What do I mean? Whoever they are, whatever you know about them, whatever you don't know about them, embrace the fact that they are a person. They are created by God. They are loved by God. If they're not saved yet, then he will love them differently to how he loves you, but he will love them still. They are created and loved by God. And God has a desire to see that person repent and become saved. We're called to love everyone. And you know what everyone means? Everyone. 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Often, those people that are the lost people are the last people that we want to speak to. And yet they are the very people that we need to speak to first. Let me tell you one thing I've learned about from being in ministry. This world 
and the people in it are broken. Badly broken. And we have the thing that can fix them. But we have got to get past what we think of ourselves and past what we think of other people for us to be as effective and loving as we could and should be. The moment that we drop all of the presumptions, the assumptions that we have about other people, this world would change so radically for the good. If everybody just dropped every presumption, every assumption, when they looked at somebody, your brain goes into overdrive. And without even knowing you're doing it, subconsciously, you are kind of rating them. Are they less important or more important than me? Are they, you know, more intelligent or less intelligent than me? Can they do anything for me? These are things that are going through your brain when the reality is this. They are as, as deserving of God's love, grace, and mercy, and forgiveness as you are. Let me, let me rephrase that. You are as undeserving as they are, and yet you have it. And if I have something that I don't deserve to have, and I'm not going to lose it by sharing it, then I need to share it. Everyone has a story. I mean, I've had the opportunity to hear so many stories from so many people who are one place today, but were somewhere else yesterday. I have people come through these doors and asking for me to sit down with me, same as Pastor Philip, Pastor Robert. And you know, to look at them, to smell them, they're in a bad place. And yet some of these people have a story, a backstory, that would just blow your minds. Take time just to think that they have a story. And here's the deal. You don't need to know their story to know that they have a story. So those people who were somewhere yesterday are in a different place today. They may be in a better place than they were yesterday. They may be in a worse place. So let me say this to you just honestly. If you have a habit of judging people based on their appearance or their current position in life, admit you have the habit and work on it. Because I know people that have that habit. And it's not a good habit. Because it's getting in the way of them doing what it is that they need to do. So if you have that habit, I'm not judging you because we've all got something. But if that's your something, admit you to yourself that you have it. Pray to God and ask his forgiveness for it and ask him to help you to break from it. Because if you can look at everybody with the same compassion, with the same love, then you are closer to being like Christ than you are right now. You're going to find it easier to embrace people and it becomes easier to follow through on tip number three, which is this, empathize, empathize. What does that really mean? Well, the dictionary definition is to understand and share the feelings of another person. It's basically putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. It's when we're having a conversation with somebody about anything, it's always helpful to understand the fact that the other person may well see things differently to you. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. It's important to remember that if you're speaking to someone who is not going to church, there is a reason for it. There's a reason why they're not going to church. You have to be careful about how you speak with people who are unchurched. You have to empathize with them. You have to be patient with them. 
You have to be careful about how you speak to people who do not know Jesus Christ. You have to be careful with people who you know they need Jesus. You've got to be careful how you approach them. I want you to imagine something for a second. I want you to imagine... Don't worry. I know I'll look mean with a baseball bat. I want you to imagine that I am incredibly good at baseball. Now, anybody who's known me for more than five minutes knows that that's a complete stretch of the imagination. In fact, I've worked out, I think this is the second or third time I've held a baseball bat in my life. So use your imagination. I am incredibly good at baseball. I know lots about baseball. I can name every single major and minor league baseball stadium in the United States of America. I can tell you every World Series winner since the league started in 1869. And that is fact. Google told me. I'm a brilliant baseball tactician. I'm an incredible athlete and I'm making a fortune playing. I spend every single day in the batting nets and studying the game. And I have done so for as long as I can remember. You know me and you know me that I am big into baseball. You haven't said much to me about the sport. I mean, you know of it. You've watched the game once or twice. You don't really know the rules. But I'm super excited about baseball and how good I am at it. So I'm going to have a conversation with you about it, and I'm going to tell you all about it. I'm going to walk into your office. I'm going to walk into your cubicle, walk into your living room, wherever it is you're sat, and I'm going to start telling you how good I am at baseball. And I'm going to then, what I'm going to do is I'm going to display to you just how good I am at baseball. And I'm going to look at your left kneecap and I'm going to show you how good I am at hitting a slider ball. Pop! On your kneecap. And then I'm going to go to your other kneecap. And I'm going to show you just how good I am at actually dealing with a sinker ball. I'm going to crack on that kneecap. And then to finish it all off, I'm going to go for the curveball right to your left temple. Crack! That is how many of you are dealing with people and your Bible. You are going in and walking into somebody's living room, into their office, whatever it might be. Someone who has no idea really about who God is. No idea what the Bible is about. They know that you've been going to your church for as long as you can remember. They know that you are passionate about God. They're not even not interested. They just don't know. And yet... You are walking in there, and you are telling them, you are going to hell. You understand what I'm saying? That is not empathy. You need to be empathizing, understanding what position these people are in. It's a bad analogy, but hopefully it comes across to you, because I've been nearly hit with a baseball bat before. That's a completely different story. Old life. Anyway, but it's a painful situation. It's a painful situation. I nearly went there, Megan. So, it's a painful situation. But let me express to you this. That people don't want to be on the receiving end of you throwing your Bible around. They don't want to be on the receiving end of a scripture. Irrespective of whether or not you know that that scripture is correct in their lives. Okay? If you have somebody who's addicted to something, if you have somebody who's struggling with someone, if you have somebody who you know is having an affair with somebody else's spouse then you need to love them. You need to encourage them. You need to attract them to, the, to, to God and to what God says about that situation. But it's no use walking in there and quoting 1 Corinthians and telling them how bad they are for committing adultery. 
Because they're not going to listen. They're going to switch off from you. So don't beat people over the head with Scripture. Don't be telling them, you're going to hell, thus saith the Lord. It doesn't work. It's not attracting people. It's not reaching people. It's switching people off. What we have to do is to speak to people where they're at. If you know someone has been to church and doesn't anymore, open a conversation with them about the past experience. Be reassuring and understanding. If you know someone isn't saved yet, don't be quoting chapter and verse and beating them down with Scripture. Be relatable. Be real. Paul the Apostle said, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might have some. What he's talking about there, and it's used in different ways this Scripture, but what he's talking about there is this. Wherever somebody is at, and in, in relation to anything you could use this for, but what we're talking about here is their relationship with the Lord. Wherever it is that they are at in that walk, be that on their level. If somebody's brand new to Christianity or they don't know anything about it, it's no use speaking to them like they are a 70-year-old theology professor. It will not work. It will not attract. It will push them away. So if you know more than somebody, don't use that fact to make them feel like, like they know nothing. It's so easily done. Don't try and impress people with the amount that you know. Instead, take what you know and add value to their life. Be sensitive, be aware, and be patient. Sometimes you are going to have a one-off conversation with them, and you might not get to talk about God with them, and that's fine. Maybe you won't have the chance to actively bring them closer to God. Just make sure you haven't turned them further away from him when you leave them. But if you do have time in conversation, do this. Number four, share. Share. Share what? Well, whatever it is that helps you to be relatable. Whatever it is that helps you to empathize. If you've heard them say something and you have related to that same kind of a situation, share your experience with them. If there's a particular reason, for example, why they don't go to church right now or why they don't trust God or Christians... And you may have felt the same way, or you may know somebody else that felt the same way, or still feels the same way. Share it. Make them feel like they're not the only person. Some of the most powerful words you'll ever speak to somebody is, I know how you feel. It takes down their guard. It makes them be on the defensive, because you are relating to a situation that they're in. Every single thing about you, Every single experience you have had in your life to this day is a part of your testimony. And your testimony is the most valuable asset you have when you are speaking with other people. I'd go as far as say your testimony is more valuable than any of the scriptures that you've memorized. When you are trying to relate to somebody, particularly if they are unchurched or unsaved. And again, please remember, relax. Your mission is to help the one. But that isn't everyone, and it might not be that one. But if you've got something to share that just might help them to take their next step, share it, because that's what we're here for. You'd help them to take the next step on their walk. If somebody hasn't attended church, if somebody's not saved, then obviously the first step is to help them to become saved. But that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to pray a prayer for them there and then. Invite them to church. Do whatever it is. Share whatever it is as your testimony where you can actually help them to understand more, to feel closer. 
don't share your whole life story. But if there's a chapter of your life story that's relatable to them, then share it. Look at this, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Be a light. Be a light. Be a light. Talk light. Share the light that you have within you. Remember, a completely inexpressible joy that you have. Share that. Last tip on reaching people. Invite. Invite. If opportunity arises, invite them. To what? To something. Invite them to something. Whatever it is that you believe is the next step that they need to take. Invite them to it. It might be to go for a cup of coffee with you. To expand on your one-on-one conversation with them. You may start a conversation at work and not be able to finish it there. Invite them to go for a coffee with you after work. Here's one. Invite them to church. Invite them to church. We would love to have them come and experience church in a way that they've never experienced it before. And I can say that with confidence. They'll never experience, they'll never have experienced church like this before. Why? Because every church is different. Every church is unique. We're very soon going to be having some new invitation cards for you to have on hand to give to people with the encounter name and logo. And we're also going to be creating new and very, very exciting opportunities for you to help connect yourselves and other people with our church. And our pastor will be giving more details about that on Sunday. Two words about Sunday. Be here. Be here. So yet again, when you're inviting people, relax. The worst they can say is no thanks. And who knows, they might just say yes. Relax because why? Because your job is not to save people. So don't feel like it is. Your calling as a Christian is to help them take their next step to being saved, to getting connected, to being in an environment where they're feeling loved and a part of something. So if that's for you, to lead them in prayer to accept Christ. If that's their next step, is for you to pray, then that's awesome. And let me tell you, if you've never experienced that before, there's nothing like being involved in somebody giving their life to Christ. There's nothing like it. Because you know what it is that they are accepting and what they are receiving. And inviting them to church, it gives them an opportunity to to do what? It gives them an opportunity to meet new people. Some of whom may relate to them better than you do. They may relate to, relate to somebody in this church more than they relate to you. So you're giving them the opportunity to meet those people, to connect with those people, to start to do life with those people. They have an opportunity when they come here to hear the word, the truth. The opportunity to maybe have an encounter with God. The opportunity to give their life to Christ. There are people among you here who have brought people who for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time in their life they've come to church. And before you know it, they've stood at this altar, giving their life to Christ. That's what you're called to do. They'll have an opportunity coming here to learn about life, love, and purpose, and what those things mean for their life. So relax. Embrace people empathize with them, share with them, and invite them. And that's just a few tips on how to reach those people that you know. 
who are unchurched and maybe unsaved. If you bow your heads right where you're at, please. I spoke at length tonight, obviously, about a relationship with Christ, speaking to the unchurched, to the unsaved. And if there's anybody here among you who hasn't yet given their life to Christ, any of you who would like to do that very thing this evening, to submit your life to Christ, to receive God's forgiveness and mercy, and to secure that the ticket to hell has been destroyed, then please just raise your hand for me nice and high right now if you would. Does anybody? Please raise your hand for me. Let me pray for you all. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you. We thank you for who it is that you are. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. And I pray, Lord God, that you would touch each and every heart here, Lord. That you would help each and every one of us, Father, just to relax. When we're doing your work, let it not be a sense of us doing our work. I pray, Lord, that we would all be just open vessels and have you flow through us, Father. So many opportunities each and every day that we have to impact on people's lives. And that doesn't mean we have to stand and speak for 15 minutes about the Old Testament, the New Testament. We can just do it with a smile, with a handshake. We can be that light, Father God. We can be different from the person that they just left behind. We can have an impact on them just in a small way that can help them just to take the next step that they need to take. I pray your blessings on every person here, Father. I pray your protection around each and every one of us, Lord. I pray continued favor for our senior pastor and for this church, Lord. I pray for your continued guidance in every step that we're taking as a church. And I thank you for who you are. We love you in this house. We adore you in this house. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.